Welcome to Culture Factor. I'm your producer and host, Holly Shannon. Our new season looks at creators, innovators, and entrepreneurs. Why? Because the creator and gig economy is emerging. Talent has gone to work for themselves. The new year starts with the 101, or the beginner guide, for NFTs, blockchain, cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, and all those metaverse and Web3 topics we keep hearing about. We are all going back to school on Culture Factor to understand this decentralized economy. From creator coins to the tax implications of selling crypto, let's unpack these emerging technologies in really simple terms. Join me and feel free to send in your questions. Would your brand like to sponsor Culture Factor? It is your opportunity to be a part of a podcast that is ranked in the top 2% globally and heard in over 89 countries. Email holly at hollyshannon.com. Subscribe to Culture Factor and share with a friend now. Okay, let's start with our class. Let's get our next guest on. So hello, Culture Factor family. Today I have two guests on with me. I have Kiera Aguillon. I hope I pronounced that correctly, but she, she can correct me if I got it off. She's a digital marketer with seven years experience executing brand campaigns across social, broadcast, and more. Some of her brand credits include working with companies like McDonald's, E, and HBO Max, to name a few. A significant part of her present role is working with creators across the digital landscape and elevating prominent voices in the creator economy through sponsored content. And hello, welcome, Kara. Thank you. So excited to be here. Excellent. I'm so glad you're here. Um, we also have Dominic with us. Dominic Andre is a content creator with over 8 million followers across platforms. That still blows my mind whenever I read it. His content focuses on some of the internet's biggest science-based stunts and is responsible for viral videos across TikTok and Snapchat. In 2019, he won the Snapchat Spotlight series in which he won a large cash prize from the platform. Outside of social media, Dominic has an MA from Pepperdine in clinical psychology and is passionate about mental health. So welcome. Welcome to Culture Factor. Thank you. I'm, I'm honestly really excited to be here and uh, really, really excited to dive into like everything like technology, mental health, you know, content creation uh, and being here with Kiara. Kiara is literally the nicest person I've ever met so far in like this whole realm. So it's really, really awesome anytime I get to work with her. I, I, angel. Thank you. <laughs> I met her on Clubhouse, and so I'm going to say ditto. It was exactly the same experience. Very kind person. So I'm so Thank glad you. to uh, have you both here, actually. This is awesome. Um, what I'd love to do um, is dive into a few questions with Kiara and, and then sort of bring in where your relationship collides with each other. Um, so why don't we start there? Um, what are the things you've learned about entertainment marketing? Yeah, so I've been in entertainment marketing basically for the full seven years of my career, working with all these different brands, like you mentioned before. Um, in my current role, I'm working with creators day in and day out to produce sponsored content for many of the streaming platforms that you see out there and really exciting film and movie titles. The first thing that comes to mind um, when something that I've learned is it moves extremely fast. 
I mean, these campaigns have lead times of sometimes one to two days, 24 to 48 hours. That's where crazy. we get <laughs> exactly, we get a request. Um, we need a creator that fits X, Y, and Z, and we need them to go live tomorrow. So um, blessed be for so many of my amazing creators who come through and they're like, yes, I'll shoot the next minute, like right after I text them, they will shoot that night, get us content. Um, and it's incredible. But I think that from an industry standpoint, it's a little bit faster than perhaps some other campaigns that have longer monthly times. Um, and the second thing I've learned is that although it may seem really easy to market film and movies um, or film and television series because they're exciting in nature and everybody wants to uh, tune into the latest thing and they have star power attached, it's actually extremely strategic. So there's a lot that goes into marketing these films and these TV shows that I don't think the general public is privy to, and I don't think you're supposed to be, but it's just been really interesting to see exactly how strategic we are in all facets of marketing. Make the magic happen in the 11th hour. I love mm -hmm. it. I yep. love it. Um, what's a recent or past campaign that you are proud of? Uh, this one, okay, this one is easy. So I just came off a campaign. It's actually still wrapping up with uh, John Cena's new TV show on HBO Max, um, directed and produced by Mr. James Gunn. Um, it was so much fun to work on. Um, we actually brought John out to collaborate with nine creators um, and shoot some custom content for it. That was extremely successful. Um, but even even more than that, yesterday or the day before, there was a business article, um, business insider article about how it is the number one in-demand show in the world right now. And to be able to work on a title that had has that sort of demand and press is, I mean, a career dream. So I'm extremely proud and really, really honored to have been able to work with the incredible team and client. Um, on this title and really have something to, to show for it. So um, there's also a few little surprises, I think, uh, coming up in the marketing for this series. So you'll probably see some cool stuff come across social media soon. Congratulations. I could tell by the your energy, like this is really your sweet spot. You're exactly where you're supposed to be. It's pretty yep. cool. I, I like that. I feel blessed for that. <laughs> <laughs> so Let's let's talk a little bit about influence and influencers. Um, what qualities do you look for in hiring influencers for campaigns? And is there a certain something that you know um, social media will be addicted to like right away? Um, and is that what brought you to Dominic or some other reason you got together? Totally what brought me to Dominic. And before I get into that, I'll give you some context. So when working with creators, I mean, I'm working with like, I'd say nine to 20 creators at any given time on any number of campaigns. Um, so the number one thing is when things move really fast in entertainment marketing, like I mentioned earlier, communication is like the number one key. Somebody who can be responsive, someone who um, ask questions if they don't know, like the basic stuff, you know, but I think it's a little understated because things move so fast. Um, and even if it's their manager communicating on behalf of them, just that communication is like the number one step to successful, um, a relationship. And then, um, in terms of what I look for, like once I've established that with them, then I know like I can go to them on the next campaign and they will execute and um, we'll 
will have very synergistic uh, working relationship. So number one thing is communication. But beyond that, there's creativity. Obviously, that's what we're coming to them for because influencers and creators are the experts in being creative. They understand the landscape. They understand their audience. That's the je ne sais quoi. I, I was I just about to say, say that. Oh my gosh. Did they write <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, great minds think alike. It's it's that special something that you see in their content. And that's exactly what you see in Dominic's content. Um, I actually met Dominic on Clubhouse. I know we were chatting about this earlier. Clubhouse, um, shout out to Clubhouse. We all met um, there, apparently. We all met there. And uh, at the time, I was interviewing creators on the platform weekly and just kind of forming a community of creators and marketers and brands and CEOs and all these people who wanted to just, you know, pick each other's brains and really learn about what makes great content, what makes social media, why is this the creator economy, how do we move forward in the creator economy, how do I make money on social? Dominic, right off the bat, was, and this is overstated, people say this all the time, providing value. But no. it's true. Like he was providing so much value and saying, you know, giving tips about, oh, I did this and this is went viral here. And this is like a market that's underserved. And then he also asked the right questions. Like, Dominic, this is what I remember about you where you like really stood out. You said, um, how can I get more brand deals or something like that? You're like, how can I connect with these people? And I'm like, literally by just asking that question, because you're asking the right question and you're asking for what you want. And there's like something I really appreciate about that because it's not beating around the bush. It's just, hey, I'm curious about this. How do I get there? Um, I I love that sort of transparency. So I just clicked with him. And then obviously, once we started to get to know each other, I was like, He's incredible, so kind. He builds community. Um, his videos are brilliant. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about his videos, but they're so like entertaining and I just want to watch more and more and more. So all of those factors combined, um, I think have helped us form a relationship. And you know, his girlfriend's a content creator too, and she's incredible. So it's just like everything. Every time I get to know Dominic a little bit better, it's like he's the dream creator. Um, so I know he's already so in demand with brands, but his demand with brands will just continue to increase. I love that. You know, it's um, it's part it factor and part having um, the ability to use the talent. Not you know, some people are just they happen to, you know, have a certain look or they play music or something, but sometimes they just don't, they can't carry it for a long amount of time. So um, your work looks really incredible. I've been watching you on TikTok and as well and listening to you, Dominic. So uh, I definitely want to dive into a little bit more about that. Um, I did want to, um, and, and you both might want to comment on this next one, but you mentioned that you are very passionate about mental health. Um, and that it is so important in social media. How do you promote wellness for yourself, for your clients? Um, I, I know that, Dominic, you've spoken about this. I don't know if you're doing any collaborations. Um, just as an aside, I will tell you that when I launched my podcast, I launched it at the start of COVID, and it was originally a conversation about company culture um, from the C-suite, but it immediately was during COVID because everybody ended up at home and navigating what was happening in a work-from-home environment and the burnout and the mental health. It actually kept 
coming back up on my podcast and I felt um, um, uncomfortable focusing the show on that because I'm not a therapist and I didn't want to trigger people. So I'm just curious, like, how are you guys navigating this in social media? What decisions have you made to collaborate together and, and uh, bring light to the subject? Yeah. So when it comes to mental health, I mean, it's obviously very difficult with content creation. Um, and there's also so many different levels of content creators. So that's one thing to keep in mind. Like a lot of people kind of compare content creators as a whole, but like I see them vastly different when I see creators that have millions of followers, but like I know aren't making any money. That's just a new level of like mental health that they have to deal with because, you know, like everyone says, like money can't buy happiness. But to be honest, you know, there's so many things you can worry about and money solves a lot of them. Right. And so when I see creators who don't have a lot of money, aren't getting brand deals, but are still continuing to create, that's when I'm like, wow, like what they're going through is really difficult because anything that they see online is going to really hurt them and they're doing it for free. And, and so it's really difficult to kind of like deal with that. Um, as for myself, I mean, when it comes to like mental health and what I want to do for the community, I'm not necessarily going out there and really like, hey, like I always do that in private. Like I just literally messaged a creator yesterday. I, I noticed that um, she was posting and I think I met her on Clubhouse and I never really talked to her before, but she was posting something about like being down and this and that. And it, like a couple of things that kind of like, you know, flagged in my head from my work. And I like immediately messaged her. I'm like, hey, you know, what's going on? What, you know, talk, talk to me a little bit about what you've been eating the last couple of days, how you've been feeling, what have you been doing? What's the time you've been going to bed? I like to assess more medical first before mental. And um, I do that more privately. What I really try and do in the community and I, Kiara, I appreciate the like the compliments before with Clubhouse. Really, what I like to try and do is be very transparent and be very um, honest with people. My biggest pet peeve in life has been spe seeing people um, spread misinformation about industries, and and it's, it's it is my biggest pet peeve. And I and and people will say like, Dominic, you like to show off, and they're like, but you only like to show off when other people are showing off. I'm like, yes, because I don't like people showing off. And I don't like them saying things that might not necessarily be true because that's a lot of the time and give false perception to people. And and it really bothered me. For, for example, my girlfriend grew up really, really poor. And uh, she always thought if you made 80 grand a year and we live here in like L.A., that you were rich. That's just what she perceived because everyone around her who made 80K was driving a Mercedes, was telling them how rich they are. And I was, I, you know, as I started dating her, I'm like, that's I was like people are just literally misleading you like that is. That is the bottom of the line here in Los Angeles, but people always like to brag about themselves, lie about themselves. And when I used to go on Clubhouse, as we all saw, there were tons of creators, tons of people spreading either false information, trying to sell a course. And I hate that. It's like my biggest pet peeve because you're just pushing people the wrong way when they don't need to be, when they can't afford to be. And so on Clubhouse, my goal was to just go on there and make sure that I was constantly correcting people with the right information and not the wrong information. And so when it comes to mental health, that's like my goal is more to like make sure that they're getting the right information to better their lives rather than having some creator tell them, oh, let me teach you how to go viral. And that person's only gone viral like twice. Mm -hmm. And, and I see this all the time and it's just, it's something that really, really bothers me. And I like to target that. I like to be honest with people. Um, and then I like to also like teach people how to get brand deals because Kiara, yeah, I was, it was really true. Like back then, especially, uh, I had worked with a lot of brands, but it was like directly through either TikTok or my, my agency at the time. And I was like, you know what? I'm noticing all these other creators working with big brands. Like how can I go out of my way besides just like letting other people do it? And, and I was asking Kiara, I was like, just how do, how do I get connected with these people? And 
little did I know Clubhouse, that was the place. And I got my Snapchat show from it. I got verified on Snapchat from it. I made a million dollars from Snapchat because of it. Uh, Clubhouse was really the start of it. And now I'm working with just so many other people because of that. So um, I really appreciate Kiara help with everything. It's amazing that you got so many brand deals out of that. Uh, I, I might need some advice from you guys because I'm on there all the time trying to help people and mentor. That's that's phenomenal that you did that. Um, bravo. That's really great. And I do agree with you. There's a lot of people pushing um, courses and funnels and you know get on my email list and you get this free whatever. And it's like painful to listen to them. You know shoot a really weak shot is what I think it is actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, hard to jump to this next question because it's not really in line with, with mental health, but Kira, I do want to know, um, uh, you know, some cool stories of working with talent on a campaign or some sort of event. Um, because, you know, we also like to have the fun side of, uh, what you do. Definitely. Um, I mean, I can think of several examples, but one that actually was really cool and actually didn't come to fruition because of COVID um, really stands out to me. So it was um, in partnership with McDonald's and the Assistant League of Los Angeles. And it was um, a event where we were providing uh, free proms. And but when I say free proms, what I mean is free dresses, free accessories, makeup, hair, to underserved communities um, in Los Angeles and a select group of girls, high school girls. And first of all, that is extremely special and just something I'm really passionate when we talk about mental health. There's a lot of great things about social media. Um, it brings exposure, it brings opportunities, um, but it also can be taxing because you're consistently comparing yourself to other people. Um, Dominic mentioned, you know, his girlfriend and the perception of money, things like that, that I think can kind of, you know, they can be taxing. So the ability to give back is extremely important. Um, and so that partnership was really, really special. Um, it was in partnership with Miss Tina Knowles, uh, Miss Tiffany Haddish, um, a slew of other talent. Um, so we had a lot of planning calls. Um, never came to fruition. Unfortunately, I did get a chance to collaborate on the efforts and chat with the talent and really plan this incredible event. And despite it not happening, I absolutely know there will be another opportunity in the future um, for a client um, or a collaborator or a friend or a peer to do something like that again. And I'm sure we will. I have many other stories, but that one really just stood out because it was really special. Um, and yeah, I look forward to, uh, to COVID passing whenever that may happen and us being able to really go back full force into events. You know, um, before there was social media, I actually did a campaign like that. And you took me right back there. I was doing a, a brand collaboration with Rockaware for MTV. And we gave the, um, the prom dress and the tux and the jewelry and the accessories to a couple. It was the exact story. That's so weird, but it was, it was pre-social media. So I guess I'm dating wow, myself. Wow. That's yeah. so cool. I yeah. love that. Look that's at that. So, so weird. So are you looking to, um, tap into the metaverse in terms of 
events in the metaverse or go back to live or incorporate the the use of NFTs, which, um, you know, we talk a lot on our show about non-fungible tokens, but they can also be used almost like a ticket. Um, so are you looking into that at all? So I'll start by saying I have a lot to learn in this space. There are so many people that are far more educated in this area. I do have my first NFT, thanks to a very good friend. Um, yay! It's Boss Beauties, Women Supporting Women, all about that. But I know that there is a lot of opportunity in the creator space specifically for NFTs, uh, also metaverse, a presence in the metaverse, uh, virtual concerts. There's so much at play and we've talked a lot about it as an industry on the whole. I think we'll probably be going there. Um, we're right now in the education process of not only educating ourselves, but educating clients and just educating creators, learning from creators. So I think that's on the horizon, um, just not not quite there personally yet. I have a lot to learn. Um, but I will say a company I've noticed that is doing it really well with creators is After Party. Not sure if you're familiar, but I would check them out. They've been doing um, NFTs for a bunch of cool creators. I think they have a really cool thing going on. So I'm looking forward to seeing more of what they're doing. That is really cool. I'm going to look into that. You know, I think that's why I, I pivoted my show to not just talk with creators, but to give the education on everything from NFTs to Web3, because there are rooms you go into on Clubhouse or if you're on Twitter spaces, and it can go like over your head because there are some people who have been in it longer. So um, I have a tendency to ask people who are coming on the show if they'll talk to me like I'm 10 so that like we could like just <laughs> distill down the main points so that it's digestible, right? Like people, well, Dominic, you know, because you're educating all the time, like you could, you could go high level, but sometimes you do need to, to say, to, yeah. yeah, I was like, got, I could do that. That's my, <laughs> that's my expertise. Exactly. So, so I guess I'm going to ask you a few questions next and, and maybe you'll be able to um, help educate the culture factor community in that realm as well. Um, but I want to go back. Um, I had heard you on another show um, talking about how you started as a photographer shooting influencers. So you were like on the other side of the fence. And is that what created the fire for you to dive into social media and become an influencer yourself? Or did you just feel like they were getting it all wrong and you could do better? Um, so that's a good question. It's actually been so long. It's been like 10, 15 years now, which makes me feel older, even though I shouldn't be. But uh, I um, started because I remember back in 2000 and like. Uh, oof, 2005, um, I saw all these people in, in my school have all these talents and I had zero talents, truly. And I was like, well, I'm not going to sit here and pout about it. Like uh, technology is my friend and that can give me the ability to have talents. And so uh, I've all, I wish I could draw. I mean, my penmanship looks like I'm writing during an earthquake. And so I was like, okay, well, this sucks. Like I really wish I could have some sort of cool talent. And so I was like, well, a camera uh, kind of does a lot of that work for me. And, and it's a cool way to create art, but not have to be in essentially like a hand artist, as I guess I would call it, like mm -hmm. someone using their hand. And so I started to get into photography and we were actually on our way to England. Uh, we're on our way to the Middle East at that time. And we had a friend who, who was really wealthy in Dubai. And so when we landed in England, he's like, hey, come, we're going to actually sit with the queen and do uh, his wow. team plays the um, 
her team in a polo match. So I went to the Windsor Palace and I had my first camera and I was like taking pictures of the queen and I was like, oh my gosh, so cool. And I remember on the plane ride back, I have a video of the queen. I actually posted on YouTube back in 2008 and it went viral and it was her driving. She asked the driver, hey, can I drive? And he's like, all right. And she gets cool. in and she drives off and it was just like me by myself there filming her uh, at the palace. And so I was like, oh my gosh. And like when we were on the the plane my dad asked this like she he happened to sit next to a um journalist she's like oh yeah you can actually sell that video for like 10 grand five grand and i was like oh my gosh that's so cool like people can make money off this so uh when i landed back after that slowly i started kind of picking up more photography um but i never made a dollar from it i never charged anyone i never tried to charge anyone i just wanted to like do it for free and have fun and that's always because I've hated the idea of working for money. I've hated the idea of like someone pays me and I have to accomplish a certain thing that they want. And so my whole life, I was like, I'm not going to do that. So I just did photography for fun. I'd be like, oh, like, let's meet some influencers. That'd be really cool. And I just had nothing in mind for it. I was just trying to meet people and have fun. And um, eventually I started to meet more and more people. And I was like, oh, this is, this is kind of cool meeting all these new, new and unique people doing cool things. And uh, I met like part of David Dobrik's crew at that time. And I met them for a couple of years. And then finally, like on the third year of knowing them, uh, me and one of the guys who was like, wasn't making as much money in the group. He wasn't like in the essential group. He's kind of in the outer group of that friend. Uh, I was like, oh, we should start a YouTube channel. I have so many cool ideas in my head. And I've tried starting one over the years multiple times, but you've got a little bit of a following and I, you know, I've got cool ideas. So he started to film and I remember saying, okay, uh, let me start a, a TikTok page. Cause I know that, you know, you have like, I think at the time you had like hundred K, which I thought was like, you are. You, you are, you know, A-list celebrity. And I was like, let me start a TikTok page. Let me see if I can maybe, you know, uh, bring up some followers as well to help our page because this is going to be so cool. And uh, I posted a couple and they do like 5,000, 3,000 views. And then I posted one of my mom. And uh, basically what happened is, is there was a song back in the day on TikTok that was very dirty. And we have like a family friend who's like 14 and she posted a video of her singing the song. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like we're really progressive. We didn't really care, but it was just weird to see. And so I told my mom, I go, oh my gosh, you see Riley posted this video on TikTok? It's so weird. And her aunt was there, the girl's aunt. And my mom like looks at her aunt. My mom's really funny. And she just goes, why are you letting her do that? You're disgusting. And then her aunt goes, I didn't do anything. I don't even know what TikTok is. And I just like, I looked at it. I go, oh my God, this is so funny because you guys don't know what TikTok is. You're like mispronouncing it and you're yelling about this girl posting. So I was like, can you guys say that exact thing again? I want to film it. And they did. And I recorded it and I posted it. And within like two hours, it was at 3 million. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this is like yeah, back in 2019, September 27th. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. I went to, I couldn't sleep all night. I was literally shaking. I'm like, <gasps> like all night. I was like, oh my God, like this video is going viral. And I woke up and it was banned. And I go, what? I go, are you kidding me? I banned at like 8 million views. And I was like livid. And I'm very persistent. So I emailed 152 employees at TikTok trying to get in touch with someone to be like, what do I do? This is early on. This. And oh, they hated me probably in the beginning. Even uh, the guy, uh, I forgot his name, like it's Kudi, uh, Kudi Kudizina or something. He's like the top of TikTok for all creators. Uh, and he, he called me, set up a meeting. He goes, please stop calling everyone. He goes, or emailing everyone. He goes, what What can I answer? I was like, well, why did this video get banned? Like, I know you don't, you think I'm crazy or stupid for like bothering you guys, but this was the lead up to my, a career I could have made. Mm -hmm. And he's like, look, it probably was just a mistake. Just repost it. I'm like, okay, fine. So but that's I not just, the same, right? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, well, that doesn't help me. And also like, you know, 
they should have more info on this and blah, blah, blah. So I was like, whatever. I was really pissed off. And I felt bad, but I'm like, no, I really think I could turn this into a career. So this did really bother me. And I know they think it's stupid because it was just one video. But to me, it was like a big jump. So I reposted it. It did a little bit. I think it did like three, four million, which is still amazing at the time. And but it wasn't like I could tell it was going to reach like 10, 20 million. So I was I was livid about it. And then a um, I reposted it and it did a couple million. And I think I grew. I actually have all the screenshots still. So I'll pull them up in a bit. But uh, <laughs> I grew to like 20,000 that night. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm at 20,000 followers. That's more than I've ever had. That's amazing. And then by that night, I was at 50,000. And then I was like, oh, my gosh, they want more. All the comments for your mom's hilarious. Your mom's hilarious because she's very loud. And um, I was like, OK, great. So then I was like, well, let's let's write up some more scripts. So I started writing fights between everyone and like things. And uh, I started to write scripts about her and my dad fighting. And she would just like insult my dad in like really mean ways. And he would try and insult her back. And it was like a couple million every video. And I ended up growing to like three, four hundred thousand within a week. And then by the 23rd day, I was at 850,000 followers. So I was just like, oh, my gosh, this is it. And everyone at the time still was like, you're crazy. And I was like, no, I'm not crazy. I'm going to make a million dollars from this. I'm going to this is it. I don't have to work anymore. Like, I'm going to do this. And it's on my own time. I'm I'm my own boss. And everyone still was just like, "Okay." And I was like, I know, I promise you. And that's what kind of led up to me kind of growing where I am, how I got from photography to there. So long story, sorry. But yeah, that's about No, it. I love that. You know, you okay. um, you push back on the trends like the way everybody else was doing it. Like you really just went with what felt right in the moment. And um, I think along the way, you also learned how to workshop those algorithms. So maybe that helped a little bit, like you knew Uh, that piece of it. And then I feel like there's that other piece you had with your background in psychology, like how people think and, you know, what attracts people and why they behave certain ways. Um, I'm, I'm thinking that that had something to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it was obvious, like, so some people might go viral and then they kind of go like, okay, I went viral. And then they try and maybe like make a follow-up video. That's just them talking about it. But I knew I was like, okay, what do they want? I went through the comments. Okay. They like my mom. They like her yelling. Great. So let's just do more of that. And let me, let me reiterate it. And, um, you know, I may not be as much as people try and like say this about each other or themselves. I'm not a creative person in the sense of like, I can just come up with something. It's a hit. It's so cool. I'm good at capitalizing on opportunity. That, that's just where I, I shine. If I see something, I know how to capitalize on it. I know how to 10 exit. That's just what I do best. And so when I saw that and I saw it, I'm like, oh, got it. Do more of these. I'm going to focus in on what... Uh, you know, works and and something that actually just like makes it really easy for TikTok that still almost no one does, which bothers me is TikTok doesn't punish you for posting multiple videos. It doesn't punish you for posting the uh, same video with different iterations. And so in the beginning, it's not like YouTube where they would like you can't post three of the same YouTube video with different edits. It just doesn't work. And you can't do that on pretty much any platform but TikTok. So in the beginning, I would just like post different iterations. And when it didn't do well, I would just delete it and go, screw it. Next one. What am I doing next? And a lot of people would sit there and go, oh, my video didn't do well. What the heck? Then I always tell them, I'm like, why, why do you care? You know, like who cares? Like just post the next one. You're wasting your time. And so that's always been my mindset, which has punished me many times in the, in the past with startups, right? People would be like, why'd you give up? I'm like, oh, it just wasn't growing fast enough. I'm over it. Move on. 
And they would look at it like, well, you need to put in five years. And I was like, I'm not putting in five years. If I don't yeah. see change, why? I'm leaving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's a mixture of like two things where they're, they're right and they're wrong. It's true. Some industries you wait five years and it does hit. For me, I don't want to potentially be caught five years into something and then say, ah, oh, it didn't work. And I wasted five years. And it's funny because everyone would make fun of me my whole life to be like, oh my God, what startup are you doing next? Like yeah, every day is a new business. And I, you know, I'd always be like, whatever, like, you know, at least I'm going to one day find that one thing that, that blows up. And they look at it like, no, you should stick with that one thing. And here we are 10 years later and a half of them are stuck in a job or in a business that they tried to start that, yeah, it's worth a little bit, but it's not worth where I'm at. Meaning I did something right if, if we all cared about money in that way, which they obviously do. If it cared about passion, then my passion is to try new things, which I did. And so it just happened to work with TikTok. And this is where people under, need to understand mental health, need to understand success. It's all luck-based. And you just happen to find the thing that works for your personality, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it's not like people think these things out. And they, they used to say this, you know, not to get political or anything, but let's say about Trump or this or that. Oh, he's so, so I'm like, he's doing what he just does. Mm-hmm. He's not like planning things out. He's just doing him and it happens to work. I'm doing me and it didn't work for 10 years, but TikTok being a platform, what I call ADD friendly, worked perfectly with, with my personality, which is, hey, you don't like your video? Try something new. We don't care. We'll support it. We'll find an audience that likes it. And it just, that's why it works so well for me. It was like, oh my gosh, TikTok doesn't punish me for trying new things, which is what I love to do. They'll help me find an audience for that new thing. And if I want to just delete it and try something completely new, they don't, they don't punish me. Hey, you already posted a video. Why are you posting another one today? They're mm-hmm. like, yeah, do whatever you want. And so for me, I got very lucky that TikTok just happened to click perfectly with who I am. And that's why I did so well. And that's just the truth of it. Some people work 10 years straight like Mr. Beast on, on YouTube and they blow up, but they wouldn't have been able to maybe survive on TikTok because it's just different and they don't, you know, TikTok likes sporadic. It's just different for everyone. And TikTok just happened to be the thing that worked for me. Well, you're a bit of a maverick and you like to take chances. Like, I think that's really great. And I think there's a lot of misinformation out there. We talked about that earlier on uh, on Clubhouse uh, and we love Clubhouse, but, you know, there are a lot of people that say, you know, if you're going to be in a startup or you're going to be an entrepreneur, be ready to invest, you know, two to five years into your project, um, maybe not make a penny, um, but it's a long game. And I think that that advice just does not work for everybody and clearly not for you, you know? So yeah, it doesn't work for today. It's starting to shrink, right? Before it used to be 10 years. Everyone's like 10 years, 10,000 hours of your craft. And that's where you get to be, you know, blah, blah, blah. Now it's just shrinking day by day because we've got the technology to fast track everything, right? If your business ain't going to work on day 90 and you're not making any money, it's not going to work on day 200 or at least that percentage is starting to shrink. Right. Like, you know, people are making money within weeks of starting their business now because there's no excuse because you've got the Internet. It's not like, oh, I opened up a store. I just need a couple months of marketing for people to come to my storefront. It's no, you have an you have the Internet. You can go on TikTok. You can get post a viral video within 24 hours. You can you know what I mean? And so right now it's just less and less of an interest to say spend 10 years in this business and you'll make it. Uh, you know, and so I see so many of my friends 30 days in, I mean, with social media for me, uh, I started in September 27th 
And um, on my, I think it was like five, six months. So on my sixth month, I, I made a little bit of money in between a couple thousand dollars. But on my sixth month on um, March 16th, the day the shutdown happened, I met with Hype House and um, they were so nice to me. And they said, hey, you want me to connect you with this brand deal? I was like, oh my gosh, that'd be amazing. Yeah. And they connected me and I closed my first like uh, six figure deal. And I was like, oh, this is it. And, and that's actually the day, thank you, that was the day that I actually stopped working as a mental health therapist because COVID shut down the nonprofit that I was working at. And so it was the same exact day. We shut down, the shutdown happened, I got the deal, and then I said, well, like I love mental health and all that, but obviously I'm not going to turn down money because in my mind, um, if I can pay 10 therapists, that's a lot better for the world than if I was just one therapist. And so... I was like, well, I'd love to be able to just make as much money as possible. That's always been my goal as a kid, uh, to give away a million dollars and to make as much money as possible. And so um, when I saw that opportunity, I'm like, there it is. And I just started running into it. But um, yeah, I think mental health wise, people just need to understand that like, if you failed at something, it's not necessarily that you're some bad person or you're not good enough. Um, you can't force everyone else to like you or like your content. You know, I see so many people say, it just didn't go viral. What the heck? I said, dude, some people just it might not be into it. It's not it's not your fault. Like you are you. But if you try something different, maybe they are into that. You know, maybe they maybe they don't like you as a comedian. They like you as an artist. Maybe they don't like you as an artist. They like you as a speaker. Maybe they don't like you as a speaker, but they like you as a guitarist. You don't know until you try. And, uh, you know, I know that for me, I'm a science person and my dream would be to be like Bill Nye or Hank Green, if you guys know him, obviously, is to be a person who just talks about science. They don't like me as that. I don't have a look. I'm not an old white guy with a gray beard or a British guy that has an accent that makes me feel sound smarter. Uh, I'm very much in between everything, right? My voice is not too high or too low, which can affect people's perception of intelligence. I'm not too tall or too short. I, I don't have anything that particularly stands out for me vis visually. So I struggled with that. And I said, okay, well, let me put on a white coat. That's going to get their attention. They're going to see the white coat. And they're going to remember me for the white coat. And then I started putting patches on it. And so I understand my faults and I don't cry about them and get upset about them. I just say, okay, well then what can I do to fix that? Okay. I'm not like the person that's going to look the best or get someone with my voice. So I'll do visual stuff. They're going to love my visual stuff. And, and that's what I did. And so I think people just need to like, don't blame themselves. Don't think that you're a failure or this or that. Just try something new and, and push it out there and you'll find something that everyone else likes of you. Um, but if that's not your goal, then great. But if it is your goal to make money and grow, you're going to need to bow to what they want, and it might not be what you want. I'm often asked, does my business need a podcast? My answer is yes, that nothing else is the fast track into thought leadership and being established and seen as the expert in your industry as podcasting. What's increasingly evident is that it's a branding machine. It kicks doors open for you to have conversations with leaders. It creates a pathway to partnerships and connections on a deeper level. You will not be your industry's best kept secret. Your ideas and business will have global reach. So step into your power. Go to hollyshannon.com to launch your podcast now. And now back to our interview. You know, that was 2019 that you gave up the... Um, mental health. I, I do want to point out, you have like a million degrees, uh, you know, I, <laughs> psychology, <laughs> philosophy, religion, political science, sociology, international relations. Um, you clearly love to learn. You have a growth mindset um, mentality. Are you thinking of maybe going back to the mental health piece, you know, 
recognizing the fact that it's taken center stage for everybody during the pandemic? Do you feel that there's a way you could develop some sort of business? Um, Because obviously you still are very passionate and you care about it and the white coat's fine. And I think your voice is great, but what do you think? Um, yeah, so I have uh, two things going on. One, uh, like I said, you know, moving back into the mental health, I don't think I can I can help as much. You know, there's some guys on TikTok that have like these really beautiful cameras and they'll like put some soft music in the background and then they'll kind of give therapy advice uh, to TikTok. And it, it's just beautiful. And I see it. And I'm like, ah, I, I can't do that. It just doesn't work with my voice as much as people say like, oh, your voice is fine. It, it doesn't. Psychologically on a mass scale, it doesn't work. And so uh, I know where my faults are and I know that I can't be that person, which sucks. But um, two things. One, I am going back to school. I just started uh, a couple of weeks back for astrophysics. I, I of, course course about it. of course you are. Sorry. Of course you are. Well, um, I want, I've always been intrigued with real, what I call, call real science. I was in social science, but I want to do real science. And I've always struggled with kind of focusing because I was so worried about money. I was like, well, if I focus on science, I'm not going to make a lot of money. So now that I did make my money, I'm like, you know what? I can go back. I can take my time. I can learn the math. And so I started to do that. And I really would uh, just love to like learn more. But what I am doing for the mental health, for the health field, which medicine is, is a really big passion of mine. I took care of my grandfather with Alzheimer's for seven years, and I studied medicine for like those seven years really heavily. And so I'm very well versed in that. And something that I love is I'm developing an app. It should be out in the next couple of weeks. I'm really excited. And I, 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 I actually developed this app with my ADD while I was doing another startup. And everyone's like, oh, my God, here we go. Another idea. I'm like, no, this is genius. And I I just kind of threw it away for years. And recently I was talking with this neuroscientist and I was like, you know, let me ask him. Like maybe he he obviously does research, real research. I'm just going to run it by him and see if I'm crazy. So the idea was that um, I would have an app that people would just go in as a humanitarian effort and just answer questions about their life. And it would just be these most sporadic questions that you can understand. It'll be obviously a lot about your health, but then just random things. The reason for that is when it comes to discovering things about what causes mental issues, health issues, diseases, and cures, um, there's a lot that goes into a study because there's a lot that can affect it. And um, for example, lead paint, you know, back in the day, no one knew that it was causing diseases and eventually it did. Now, what this app would do is it would compare everyone with a disease to everyone without a disease and try and find the common factors and the uncommon factors to what's causing it. So for example, let's just say, you know, we got 30,000 people with diabetes on the app and we've got 80,000 people without diabetes. The app would immediately say, okay, We've got these people answering 100 questions, 1,000 questions to these people. Let's compare them, see what the heck is going on. What are the diabetes people doing that the people without diabetes aren't doing? And then it would scan through and let's just say it would pump out and say, oh, we noticed that people who drink Diet Coke more than five times a week are at an 82% likely increase to catch diabetes. And so it would automatically go through and find and, and discover all causes of all diseases that are caused by environmental factors. And later on, we'd be able to submit a DNA test that would then start to do that with DNA. Oh, we noticed that people with this DNA strand who live around this type of water then develop this disease. And so the goal is that it can start helping people identify things that are wrong with them, identify things that could be causing them a future illness, and then also things like recommend them specialists, recommend them doctors. Uh, One of the easiest ones that we're going to do is uh, the DSM-5 is how we diagnose people. And it's it's the psychology manual of like how we diagnose people with mental illness. And to be honest, diagnosing someone with a mental illness when it comes to that book is very straightforward. There are 10 points. If you qualify five of them, you have depression. That's just how we do it. It's very simple. 
And this app can do that. This app can say, hey, have you in the last five weeks have a decreased interest in something that would normally make you happy? Yes. Uh, yeah, have, we noticed, have you noticed that it's been harder to get out of bed lately? Yes. Uh, and you would go through and it, would, it wouldn't ask them in order because it would want you to just be natural. It wouldn't, you know, we don't want people to kind of catch on to the fact of like, what are they at? Why are they doing this? It's just like, hey, we're just going to figure out and help you. And then it would notice, oh, bing, bing, bing. We noticed that you might be suffering from depression. Here's a, a number of therapists in your area that you can call. Or just, you know, we don't want to make money off. I don't give a shit about money. But, hey, uh, you should reach out to a, a local therapist uh, to help you. This could be something that you could uh, benefit from care. And so that's the app that I'm launching. It's called Say. Um, and uh, it should be out relatively soon. Um because of my, because I have money now, I was able to just say, oh, I'll just fund it myself. And so mm -hmm. I paid a designer, I paid a developer, and uh, it should be done in about three weeks to four weeks. Um, and that's it. But that's that's my goal. My goal was to kind of help. And so I, I brought that up to the neuroscientist and he immediately was like, oh, this is genius. And I was like, okay, it is. I'm not crazy, right? He's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, good. And he's like, the thing is, is there's a lot of scientists who will come up with a, a hypothesis, but it's just random because it's not like they have data to go off. They just go like, okay, well, let's just check if there's a correlation between Diet Coke and diabetes. This app would already do that for them. So they wouldn't have to waste time on things that don't work. But what it would do is say, hey, we've got 150 hypotheses that actually have evidence behind it. Go investigate it further. What is causing it in Diet Coke, you know, and we would be able to give that data to universities, whether they could buy it from us if we needed money to self fund, or it would just be like a nonprofit, hey, take the info, figure out what the heck's going on with 7up and Diet Coke. Why are those particular ones causing diabetes? But, you know, 7up or whatever, which are, the, are these other ones aren't causing it. And so that's what I'm working on now. That's kind of my main goal. So is to make as much money from social media. I'm working on Airbnbs to have more sustainable income and NFTs. And then I'm using all that money and income to fund this app. So yeah. So NFTs, you said the word <laughs> or the acronym. Um, could you NFT your app and have content that unlocks along the way? Um, or if somebody feels like they're they're done and they don't need it, they can sell it or give it to somebody in need um, and or just have unlockable content in it that gives them the opportunity to uh, be privy to, I don't know, maybe some sort of article or a one-on-one -on -one with somebody that is meaningful to them. I'm totally spitballing here. No, yeah, that's a good idea. We so the initial goal, which was very cool, but uh, I'd like to I like keeping things simple. But I I really do like this idea. But there's a couple uh, issues. But my goal was to launch an a cryptocurrency that you earn as you a answer questions. So you get paid to help people. And then you get paid in this crypto and the information is stored in your crypto account. Meaning the biggest thing when I used to hit up um, uh, and I used to talk to investors about this app just like nonchalantly. They were like, oh, um, uh, privacy, privacy, privacy. No one's going to use it because it's not private. It's not private. They, you know, you're giving people data. People don't like to give data. My goal was like, look, I these are people who, who don't care. The whole point is that we're trying to solve cure. We're trying to find cures for diseases. We don't care about data. And yeah, there's always going to be a group of people that don't like it. But the idea was, well, well, if we implement blockchain, I'll be able to have people log in via their blockchain, meaning it's anonymous, mm -hmm. meaning their questions are not tied to them uh, or their phone necessarily, because it is strictly on the, on the chain. So that was an idea that I ran by. It's something that we can still implement that we were talking about. 
But ideally, I don't want people to do this out of the goodness of their hearts. I don't want people just answering questions to make money. I have about uh, like a couple different ways to weed people out to determine the, the computer would be able to determine if someone's just doing it for money based on how fast they answer. We, we repeat questions. If we notice there's a lot of inconsistencies, it'll just kill that account. So there's a lot of stuff I've worked out that can like weed that out if I needed. But ideally, my goal was to make this very simple, very straightforward. Look, I'm just trying to help people here. And what's really nice is everyone with diseases are going to hop on this without question, because anyone with cancer could give a shit about their privacy. They're trying to survive. They're trying to live. And so, you know, I heard so many people with like different types of cancer and people who've had in the past go like, oh, I wish this was around. I'd love to know what the heck caused my cancer. Mm -hmm. And imagine if it told you, hey, Holly, everyone within a three mile radius of where you live is five times more likely to get this cancer. You would be like, what's going on? Right. And and and, it, and, and so the, the the benefit to the user is saying, look, we're going to find out, you know, for those people who think 5G is causing their cancer. Hey, we'll find out. This mm -hmm. is it. If that is true, yeah, here I am. I'm not going to deny it. If that is the data that pops out, if we notice that around every single 5G tower, we're starting to see disease pop up. So this is a really cool way where we're decentralizing studies for everyone who says, oh, the scientists are the gatekeepers of information. OK, I'll give it to you. The data is going to be right up there. Answer these questions, be truthful, and this app will tell you the real truth because it's going to run data simultaneously across everything. And so this is a cool way to essentially be like a cryptocurrency, a chain block uh, where it's decentralizing studies. It's saying, okay, we're going to make this public information. It's going to tell you exactly what areas are causing certain diseases. And from there, yeah, it might cause a little hysteria, but hell, if there's an area I'm living in that's causing my cancer, I would like to get out of that. And so, you know, imagine Flint, Michigan, the diseases that we're going to find, mm -hmm. uh, you know, around there that are popping up in this app will go, whoa, we're noticing everyone who's, you know, drinking this water. And so uh, there's a lot of cool ways to take this app. Honestly, I just wanted to, to help people. I want to cure as many diseases and study as much as possible. And this is a cool way to do that. I love that. I mean, it's not just decentralized, but it's democratized. And I think that's a really beautiful thing. And, you know, you touched on, you know, you said earlier you had lost your grandfather to Alzheimer's. Um, I lost my father to Alzheimer's. And my brother and I are always reading studies on things, trying to understand what does early onset look like today? And um, do we show signs of that? Or is there something we could do to prevent it? Or you know, should we be eating differently? Should we be exercising differently? So... I have to say I'll probably be the first person that hops on that app because I know from my from where I'm sitting that is would be really cool to know. And you can take uh, the 23andMe DNA test. It'll tell you if you have early onset uh, uh, all, early onset Alzheimer's in your DNA. I took it, and luckily mine came back negative. So that's one way to do it. And the other way is uh, by the time people turn 85, there's a 50% chance they get Alzheimer's. Mm. Um, so for me, what the heck are the other 50% doing that they're not catching it? You know, right. like what is going on if it's not genetic? Because like I took mine, it's not genetic, but I've got a fifty percent chance. Because ideally, if it is genetic, we would know really quickly. Um, but if it's not, what do I do with that? What can I do to fix that? And there are certain things right now. It's a, a, you know taking a baby aspirin daily to increase blood flow to the brain can help reduce your your chances of Alzheimer's. But um, I want to know because I don't want to have diseases. I don't want to suffer from them, especially when I get older. And if this app tells me, hey, as crazy as this sounds, we discovered for some reason. If you don't drink this specific drink, right, 
you you decrease it by 90%. It turns out it's just this drink. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw this, but um, MS was basically just cured, um, which is huge news in the medical field. No one's talking about it, which I don't get. But MS, right, um, basically they discovered what caused it. It was a virus that someone catches and then it develops into MS. And they were like, oh, my gosh, like it's not genetic or anything. You catch it. It's similar to like polio. You catch polio, but then you end up, you know, in the iron lung. And it was very similar where they were like, what is causing this? And it turns out it's a virus. They said, oh, now we know what the virus is. We're going to create a vaccine. No more MS. That's amazing. So that's so cool to know if that app said, oh, we noticed that everyone with MS got a flu like three weeks before or one month before. And it would immediately just start solving all of these problems. And so for me, I'm like, I'm just so excited to be like, what the heck is causing all of these things? Because I would guess, I would venture to guess around 90% of diseases are environmental based. Like you can avoid them. And, you know, some of them, you know, 10% are just genetic. You got it. You got it. There's nothing you can do. And 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 we can go from there. But yeah, so for me, like there's a lot of people who, who can really benefit from all of this. I mean, everyone can. And so uh, my goal is to make this a humanitarian effort. You know, forget the money, forget this. Don't you want to live healthier? Don't you want to to solve your friend's disease? My best friend died of uh, uh, lymphobla- acute lymphoblastic leukemia when we were both 21 years old. And I was like, what the heck? Right. Why? He was ripped with an eight pack in the military, got married at 19, lived the healthiest organic lifestyle he could. Here I am eating pizza every day. And, you know, we always make jokes. He's my best friend. I was like, clearly working out did not help you. Like, what is going on? I Apparently the, the cure here is to eat pizza all day. And, and it's really to me, I was like, what the heck did you do? You did something. There's something. You know, of course it could be genetic, but if it's not, what the heck did you do? And I'd like to stay away from that because as healthy as you were, it still hit you. And so for me, there's just so many things and so many people that can benefit from this. Wow. Well, you answered my questions of what gets you out of bed every day. So I can't even ask you that question anymore. Um, But I I just love what you're doing. And it's interesting because I know my brother took that 23andMe test. So I I need to contact him and see if there was any... uh, Evidence yeah, he has you. to do a specific one. There's oh. two. There's one that's just DNA, uh, like your ancestry, and then there's one that's strictly your uh, like it has both. It's your DNA, and it tells you things that are so incredible. Like it'll tell you if you have the muscles of an athlete. Spoiler alert: I don't. Uh, <laughs> as, as Spoiler alert: gets. Neither does Holly. <laughs> so I was like, this is so cool because you know what? This is one of those things I try and tell people: don't blame yourself. It literally tells you in this app, and this is where like I always talk about free will. I won't go into it, but that you don't have as much free will as you think. And, and so you should never blame yourself, which is the cool thing about the free will part. It says in there that like 99% of all athletes have a specific genetic marker. Now, it doesn't make you massively better, but it, the muscle composition is a little bit more – like a little bit better. And it actually will say that like um, it gives you a two to three percent advantage, meaning when you go to the Olympics, the NBA, the NFL, that advantage is what cuts you from the team or not. Oh, and yeah, so, that's huge. And so when people say like, oh, it's just how hard you work. No, it's not. That's in your genetics. It is. It is no way possible that 99 percent of all athletes have the same exact genetic marker. But we say it's just how hard you work. It's not. And uh, 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 sprinters versus runners. Sprinters actually have a softer muscle in their calf that allows them to kind of move it faster versus um, the long distance runners have harder muscles, a harder muscle composition that allows them to kind of go longer. 
And so it's literally built into our DNA, all of these things. That DNA test will tell you if you're allergic to the sun, meaning you're more likely to sneeze in the sun. If your hair is darker, lighter, if you've got blue eyes, if you're less likely to sleep long, if you're lactose, this DNA test on 23andMe is amazing. Ideally, I'd like to like team up with them with my data and theirs because they're starting to do a small version of mine where they'll ask people questions and then use it to kind of understand what connects in their DNA. But that should just show people never be upset about where you are. You can be like down on your luck, like, dang, I wish I was six foot five and beautiful, I guess. But like when you feel like you're not accomplishing something, you shouldn't be like, it's because I'm not working hard enough. Realistically, it's because you weren't built for that. And that's okay. Just find what you're built for. That should find your purpose that you know you may not be obsessed with, but realistically, there's something that you're going to crush at. You just don't know what it is yet. Yeah. Well, I'm a little obsessed with that so I think I might actually take that. I don't know about you, Kira. Did you smell like a brand collaboration with 23andMe happening there? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Anything is possible. I, I smelled something there. I, I One other question I just want to quickly ask you. You did talk previously about maybe having a podcast. Are you still planning that? Because you're so eloquent. Like I think people would listen to you. I, I disagree with you about the voice thing. Um, I'm calling you on that one. <laughs> Uh, I, I would love to, I think for a podcast and this is what I'll say, I think for a podcast, the voice doesn't make as much of a difference because it's not like I need to capture your attention. Once you click it, you're going to listen to it. You know what I mean? Like 90% of people who click a podcast, they're going to listen versus TikTok. They hear my voice. If they're, if that's my goal to get them in with my voice, uh, skip. So for podcasts, yeah, I think that for me, it was the consistency. It was me uh, figuring out, do I do it by myself? Because ideally, like I, I like to just talk for myself. I, I don't want to be a Joe Rogan that brings people on that doesn't have proper information. And I have the proper information because I read up to date on the studies or I would just read directly from the studies. So ideally, I'd love to start my own um, what I have been doing is slowly transitioning offline businesses. And what I mean by that is uh, most of my work now is just strictly working with bigger companies, production companies, and working with them. So I've been on a couple of shows. I just did a reality show. I'm actually, Kiara was just like connecting me with another one that potentially. And then um, I've been doing like a lot of companies have been reaching out and saying, hey, we'd like to produce the science show around you. I'm like, great. Cause I'm tired. I got, you do it. Tell me what, tell me what you need me to do. And I'll just talk. That's what yeah. I, what I can do. And so lately I I've been telling them, Hey, uh, you guys want to do the show. I want you guys to produce my podcast as well. I just want you guys to do everything for me. I don't want to think about it. Uh, cause I can produce content all day. What I can't do is post consistently and edit consistently. I just don't do it. Mm. But if someone were to say, Hey, I'm coming over, we're going to record 10 podcasts in a row. I'll do it easy. And then they can take care of it. So I've slowly been doing that where every time I reach to a company, I'm like, Hey, how about this? You do the podcast for me. I'd love you. To, I don't even care about the money. I just want to like take whatever you want from it and I don't care. And so I've been doing that a lot lately. And so podcasts definitely in my future. I really want to do it. I'm just figuring out, is someone going to produce it for me? Is it just going to be me by myself? What's going to go on with that? So I'm really, really excited. No, that's really cool. Well, you know, I love it. And if I can help in any way, just reach out. I'm happy to to workshop any ideas that you have. So thank you. Thank it's, you. it's the medium of choice for me. So yeah, Kiara, you need yours. I need to hear from you more. <laughs> I know. You have such a lovely voice too, Kiara. Have you thought about God. doing something? Thank you. I think Clubhouse was my was my stint in podcasting, but who knows? Maybe there'll be a resurrection and I will do a podcast. I would love to. I mean, Holly, I Dominic, you're so much more than just a content creator, but just like like multifaceted people, like creatives. I know you said you're not creative, but you're creative. I want to talk to people that are changing the world and just doing amazing, cool stuff that's benefiting humanity 
um, entertaining and putting a smile on our faces. So yes, a podcast would be dope (laughs) for those reasons, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Well, I think you need to stay in the circle. Like I think you're also collecting good people in the process and it makes it more fun and it makes it more worthwhile Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. Absolutely. Yes. Very lucky. Um, I'm a good people collector. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Same here. I love it. And that's how we found each other in Clubhouse. And then you found Andre, so uh, Dominic. So we're, we, we all have found our way to each other. So, and from the Culture Factor family, I can't thank you both enough for spending all of this time and sharing all these amazing stories. It's, it's really cool. And, and I can't wait to see what both of you are going to do. So, We'll definitely, um, when we post this, maybe you'll uh, put a shout out as to what you're working on at that moment. We'll just keep the conversation going because you guys are fascinating, really, really good creatives. Thank, thank you, you for so having much. us. And thank you, yeah. Kiara. Literally, I just want to say again, Kiara, absolutely <laughs> amazing. And when I was on Clubhouse too, when I would hear her voice, I was just like, oh, this is so peaceful. I just sit here and do this. So yeah, you should yeah. do it. You can just read bedtime stories. I don't even care what it is. Just do something because I would be so relaxing and nice to listen to. So please do something with a podcast. You'd crush. You're so kind. I feel like that's Elisa Jacobs, but maybe her and I will do a collab of bedtime stories. But yes. thank you. Appreciate it, Holly. I appreciate you. This was really fun. Um, and so keep us posted. Thank you. Thanks for coming on Culture Factor. You guys are amazing. Thank you so much.